el Chicharito, el Chicharito, 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 ahí, ahí la tiene Torrado, Torrado la juega por abajo, el arquero sale, la tiene Gio, no hay arquero, no hay arquero, no hay arquero, no hay arquero, ¿quién le pega, quién le pega? ¡Gio! ¡Golazo! de gol! ¡Apago la luz y me voy! ¡Golazo! Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Shoot Your Shot on 12 on Sports Radio. I'm Arnaldo, your host, with my friend here, Alan. What's up, Alan? How are you? Hey, how's it going, Arnaldo? I'm doing excellent. How are you doing today? I'm great. Can't complain. Got a good weather here in Houston. Finally touching a little bit of that fall weather, so I'm pretty excited to get rid of this humidity and, and hot weather that we got all year long. Yeah, down here as well in Mexico, definitely is changing. A little more comfortable for me. I'm not well. I'm used to the hot weather. I just don't like it, so I'm happy that things are changing as well. But nothing's changing when it comes to the soccer world. It's just one weekend after another, crazy results, and we got an absolutely jam-packed show for everyone today. It's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, why don't you run it down with us? What are we going to be talking about this week? Absolutely, Alan. So we got obviously Liga MX. There's a lot of things that happened over the, this past weekend. We had a lot of good scores, bad scores for some teams, some things that were expected, some things that were not expected. As you were letting me know earlier, we're calling it Statement Day for the Liga MX, so, or Statement Weekend, where a lot of statements were made for the big teams and the smaller clubs who are potentially going to be a threat in the playoffs. And obviously, we, got, we had the last game or the last day of the season for the MLS, which was Decision Day. A lot of chaos, a lot of drama. A lot of seedings that were expected and were not so expected. So we got a lot to talk about, Alan. I'm sure that obviously we're going to get all through it. And we also can't forget about our segment, the stock market. The stock market. Ding, ding, ding. You're going to be buying or selling. That'll be coming up later. So, I mean, let's kick it off, I suppose, with Liga MX. There's a lot of listeners out there that really don't have a lot of Liga MX coverage in English. So, I mean, this is the this is the podcast. This is the show this is what you want to be listening to this you know there's some other ones out there that are excellent as well shout out to all you guys however you know i think we're really starved for good coverage so we're going to do our best to run through a really jam-packed we're calling it statement weekend because there was so many big big games comebacks you know really really great weekend of football down here in liga mx so i mean why don't we kick it off with the friday night game it was morelia Caxa, and that was a huge comeback Absolutely. So Morelia, who, which has been a surprise team this year uh, with their style of play and some of the results they've gotten over the course of the season, we had them up 2-0 in the first half. They were literally toying with the Necaxa team. And as you guys have seen and watched Necaxa all season long, they displayed good soccer. They've had a lot of good players that came in. And, you know, as we, we were discussing prior to this show was, you know, they had probably the most rentable players in the Liga MX as far as well, how they do business. So it was, it was great to see Morelia finally show that consistency and prove that they can compete with some of the better clubs, or in this case, Necaxa, which is leading, or leading the table in the Liga MX. So it was 2-0 in the first half. Were you able to catch some of the uh, game, Alan? Yeah, I did catch the second half, and I'm glad I did, really. You know, I actually saw Morelia live this year. I saw them against San Luis. They played the whole game. They played over 90 minutes up a man, and they barely scraped a draw. You know, and, and, but then they put a couple of results together. And then when I saw them go up, you know, 2-0, right, it's, oh, okay, wow, you know, against a good Nakaxa team, obviously. 
I thought, well, maybe I just don't know anything about this Morelia team because they didn't look impressive. But they fell apart, right? And I don't know if that's, you know, they just kind of bottled it. I don't, I don't know. Or if, if Nakax is really that good. But what I can say is Nakax has made me look pretty bad all year because they keep just defying whatever I say. Uh, no, this is the week they're going to fall. This is the week they're going to fall. And they just pull one out of the bag. They did it again. You know, you mentioned rentable players. I, I was reading something this, this week, Arnaldo, that over the last five years, they have the best transfer record of any club in Mexico. Santos being second place, but they've made the most money and they've got the best best idea, best system. I don't know if it's a great scouting of just buying low, selling high. They're, they're the stock market kings, it would seem, the last five years here in Mexico. You know what it you know, the player that first comes to mind is Victor Davila. Do you recall him a couple of yeah. seasons ago? Yeah, exactly. I, I, I can remember he was probably signed for no more than $500,000, which is still a considerable amount for a team that's not in a big market. But at the same time, I believe they sold him for $8 million. And there's a consistency of Nekaxa doing this, like you mentioned. So whether it's the sporting directors, uh, the financial advisors, whoever's doing and agreeing and approving all this stuff is doing a fantastic job. Props to them. Uh, Nakaxa's fighting at the top of the table now consistently over the last few seasons. Memo Vasquez is, is leading the charge there, which we have seen in other, other teams. And he has had some success. Obviously, he was at Veracruz where he didn't have as much success. But he seems that he has an idea and a system that could be uh, exciting for the Nakaxa or Los Rayos. Yeah, you know, it's a world record, maybe, that it only took us five minutes to say lack of success in Veracruz in the same sentence. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you, you mentioned Memo Vasquez. Do you think he's an elite coach in the MX? Is he, is he going to be a candidate to step up to one of the larger clubs, do you think? I think so, Alan. I think that he has proven himself at Pumas. He's proven himself being the assistant to Tuca Ferretti over his years uh, when he was much younger. And, you know, like I said, he's had stints where he's gone to some other teams where maybe not as high or elite players uh, in terms of performance. But I think that he, he's there. I think he's, like I mentioned, he's got, he's got an idea of how to play. He's got a high-pressuring system. He's got a possession-style system. And it's you got an, a balance of what defense and offense is and how they should work together. So I consider him an elite coach. He's definitely a top-three Mexican coach in the league, in my opinion, along with Piojo Herrera and Nacho Ambriz, so I, I would say so. You got any thoughts about him? Well, you know, we, we saw this week Monterrey looking for a replacement. There's a whole drama going on there with uh, Almeida. Looks like he's, he is, he isn't, he is, he isn't. If we're going to keep recycling coaches, I don't understand why, why Memo Vasquez isn't in that conversation for Monterrey. That's just my personal view, right? I mean, he's like you just mentioned, he's got the track record. A big club like Monterrey looking for someone, why doesn't he go there? Do you think, well, okay, let me rephrase this. Is it because he's not someone that is loud on, on, the, on the sidelines, someone that's not, has that personality to carry a team that maybe has more high-profile players? Because it seems that's what it is. If, he, if you look at him on the sidelines, he's a very calm coach. He's never, you're never going to catch him arguing with the referee. If he is, it's very minimal. When he's coaching, it's, it's, he's serious. He's not yelling or mad at his players. So I think it goes more of he doesn't fit the profile of being a luxurious candidate for the fans, in my opinion. 
that's unfortunate that that's the case, and I think you're right. The exact same thing I think happened here with Atlético San Luis. It's gonna mention they, that. Yeah, they got rid of Alfonso Sosa, who's exactly like Memo Vasquez in, in that form, right? He just mellow guy, you know, very calm. You know, you never see him screaming, nothing like that. Goes about his business, quite pragmatic. But that wasn't good enough, you know. It wasn't enough to to get the results. You have to do it with style. You have to do it with that flair, with that panache. So that's perhaps why Monterrey might be too big a stage for such a, a, a humble sort of, I don't want to say introverted. I don't know him, right? But he's, you know, really, really um, um, conservative in his approach to, to, you know, being on the sidelines, right? He just gets the job done. So perhaps that is the reason, definitely. And he's making it work. I mean, you, you look at that squad and you look at player at every position there's a lot of unknown players. I mean, of course, you got some players that the league has known or up-and-coming young players. You know, you got Hugo Gonzalez at goal. You have Canelo, who was a great acquisition that's been great for Necaxa and the national team. But then you look at their forwards. You got Maxi Salas, who started the season on fire scoring goals. And then now you have Mauro Quiroga, who scored two headers on this past Friday to, you know, give him the lead and give him that 3-2 win in, in that match. And so... How is he doing it? Because he's got a philosophy that's been established over the years. He's got a system, and he's he's got something going for him. Yeah. Uh, speaking of something going for him as well, the um, striker there in Nakaxa doing quite well this this year, Mauro Quiroga. If you have one game, you had to win one game, okay? And you can only pick one striker. Who do you take, Quiroga or Julio Furch? I'm taking Julio Furch. You are. Okay. I you like his what? mobility better. Okay. All right. Well, you know what, though? Santos could have used um, an extra striker against Tigres. They really could have. So I know you saw that game. Let's get into that one now. 4 0. 4 0. That was actually a surprising score, Alan. I, I mean, having seen Tigres play all season and probably in the past few seasons, you wouldn't have thought that probably the team that's playing the most, or the best, I'm sorry. And not only to the fans and the media, but even to the head coach for the Mexican national team. Tata Martino said that the best team playing soccer in the Mexican league is Santos. So seeing that and seeing the final result 4-0, to zero, never would have expected it. But Tigres came out with a high intensity that has not been seen in the last few games. Pressuring up high, the passes. Some of the things that Tuca always, you know, people criticize him for is, the back passes, the side-to-side -side passes. But it's okay to do that, you know, when you have a possession-style system. But the thing is you have to do that at a quicker pace because if not, you let the team get back on defense and set up, and therefore there's no more surprise or attack. So it was great to see Tigres come out with a new face, a new, new mentality as far as approaching this game. And it might have something to do with the fact that it was Santos, and Santos plays good at home and away. Did you see anything else that, you know, made him – I might not mention that – Caught your attention? Well, what caught my attention? I just saw the first half of that game, and so I saw it until it was 2-0. And on the up the right side, they were just flying up the flanks. You know, they were just cutting open Santos's defense, midfield more than defense, really. They were running through the midfield is what I saw. And that's so unusual for me. I, I watch a fair bit of Tigres, and they're, they're so methodical in their buildup usually, right? So I, I just saw a little more urgency in, in their play, I thought, and – it just immediately created more chances. You know, like I said, I didn't see the second half. I didn't see the third or fourth goals. But in the first half that I did saw, that was the first thing I saw, especially down the right side. They had a lot of joy. They really did. You know, what are the, 
one of the things that I was so happy about was, or there's a few things, obviously, from, the, from that score, but Chaka Rodriguez. Chaka Rodriguez, Alan, if you, if you know him, you've seen him with the national team. He's, he's lined up most likely to be the starter for Tata Martino. He's well-liked by the coach. But obviously, over the recent call-ups with, with the young players, you have Alan Mosso being called up, Sanchez from Club America that can play. He's a right-footed, but mostly plays on the left side for Club America, or sometimes he plays on the right side. So it was a good statement uh, a game by Chaka Rodriguez after all the performances from the right backs in the recent call-ups for him to have a great game. He had two assists, uh, flying up and down that right flank, come, getting back on defense. That's what you expect out of a right back, someone that can contribute up top and also not forget about defending. So really happy about him. He's only, he's only 26 years old. You know, he's bound to be at the, at the next World Cup, and he's got a lot of class. He, was, he used to be an attacking midfielder when he, when he first started off. Yeah, and just like that, Gignac back up to third place in the in the goal scoring, right? Back just to, like that, back, back up to back games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, up to I don't know how many goals in now. 110, 111. 111, 111. Wow. He's he's yeah. climbing, he's climbing, he's making a statement. He's he's hopefully gonna get a statue soon, maybe at the end of the season. So he's he's changed the the aspect or or, or how you look at Tigres because of his successor. Definitely. Let's stay up north. Juarez against Atletico San Luis. Did you catch this game? I watched parts of it. I did not watch all of it, Alan. I'm sure you did being down there in San Luis. So why don't you start us off? Which, what were some things that you took away from that game? All right. Well, let's start with Juarez. Okay. They're, I saw them play in the Ascenso a couple of times against San Luis as well. And, and it's night and day, their midfield. They, they tend to – there was a lot of back passing, a lot of negative play, I thought, when they were in the Ascenso. And we know why they're up, right? It wasn't on sporting merit, but they are where they are. And I think I've been really impressed. The last three, four games I've seen of them, I think they've really turned a corner, uh, particularly in the midfield. They're starting to control the midfield. They attack in groups. I mean, they, they chase the ball in groups, what I'm trying to say. They, they tend to, you know, go after the ball in little triangles. They get possession back, and they're looking to cut through real quick. They're looking to cut the game in half, basically. They want to start with the ball at midfield all the time, you know, and they push forward. In terms of San Luis, well, what happened was they stole that one right at the end there. It was 1-1. If you didn't catch the game, it was the fourth time this year San Luis has scored after the 90, like in, in injury time after the 90th minute, fourth time they've scored. It was also their fourth victory in six games on the road this year, right? Wow. So going into the FIFA break, having lost three league games in a row, one Copa game, having given up 13 goals in four games, Nobody needed a victory more than San Luis. It keeps them in the talk, in the conversation for the Guia spot. If they had not have won this game, a tie wasn't enough. First of all, Gustavo Matosas would not have slept very well during this international break. You know, he needed this victory. He needed a win, and, and they got it. And once again, it was Nico Evanez, the uh, 24-year-old Argentinian striker, and that's now five games in a row he scored. He's the best-kept secret in San Luis. Nobody knows about him. And for a guy that's not that tall, he's excellent in the air as well. And as always, it just seems like the guys from the Ascenso Club that brought them up to the first division are the guys that are playing their hearts out and the guys that are pulling, pulling off these victories. And a lot of the new incorporations don't seem to have yet fully understood the Mexican game. A lot of them aren't from here. And they just haven't delivered as expected. But San Luis now still in the conversation thanks to their their guys from last year. And I don't know if it was a deserved victory, but it was a needed one, definitely. And so that was 2-1 to one for San Luis. 
What did you think about Juarez? I mean, I mentioned in previous episodes that they have somewhat an exciting way of playing. I think that Roland up top is, I mean, he's probably one of the better strikers. Obviously, being in that on, on that team maybe doesn't get as much uh, storylines or attention, but I think he's one of the better forwards in the league. He scored again for his team. Juarez, you know, has great buildups as far as, you know, from what I saw in that game. And Atletico uh, de San Luis looked like they were struggling at times and containing them as far as their attack. It definitely. Roland scored a nice goal, right? Took advantage of a little mistake, but he was ruthless in finishing. He rounded um, Felipe Rodriguez, you know, puts the ball in the net. Mm, Roland, excellent signing, right? He brings a different dimension to Juarez as well. Leandro... Carrillo as well. He came off the bench. He didn't get a lot of time on the field, right? But, I mean, he's got a good track record as well. So they definitely got quality all around the pitch. I don't know about their defense, you know, but from midfield forward, I wouldn't want to play them if I needed the three points. You know what I mean? But at the beginning of the year, they looked like they were going to be fighting with our friends Veracruz, in my opinion. But they certainly have turned a corner. Yeah, and it's all thanks to their midfield, I think. I think we can thank Tigres for that, for sending half of uh, their B and C team to that, to that squad. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> okay, uh, what game do you want to talk about next? So, so many good ones. Man, why not the highlight of the weekend? Even though I think that the statement was made by Tigres over the weekend with that win over Santos, I think the bigger statement was in the capital. Cruz Azul versus America. What a game. Okay, for all you people out there that say Liga MX isn't a good league, lacking in quality, lacking in excitement. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm very sorry because this game had seven goals, okay? It had two red cards. It had nine yellow cards. It had, it had suspension after the game, right? We'll get into that shortly. You know, it, it was an unbelievable game, 5-2. And um, Memo Ochoa, I mean, what's going on there? There's so many storylines to this game. I mean... Does America fan, do America fans need to panic at this result, do you think? Have America fans ever panicked? That's, that's the question that I, I have. Have they ever panicked? You know, because they're, they're the team that, you know, for the most part of their life, I guess, there's a team that always has been consistent as far as winning. So through a little rough stretch that they're going through this, this season, I don't know if panicking would be the, the best word to use, but I think that they have to acknowledge that their team is definitely struggling and that the lack of results are definitely there. Piojo Herrera seems lost on the bench. And, you know, you can see that from his tantrics that he's, that he's throwing on, on the sidelines, yelling. You know, and we know that that's who he is. You know, that's the type of coach he is. He's a very energetic coach. But it just seems like he just has lost control over, over his team or he's never gained control over his team because of all the injuries and all the new acquisitions and the, new, and the losses that they had prior to the start of the season. You know, you're talking about, one of the better goalkeepers with Nahuel Guzman, Marchesin, who's probably the starter for Argentina, playing at Porto now. Mateo Zuribe, who is a regular for the Colombian national team, gets a few starts when he, when he leaves for national duty. And then Edson Alvarez, who's a, probably a key piece in Tata Martino's uh, team moving forward as far as the World Cup. And one of your better players in, in the midfield, along with Guido Rodriguez. So you have three players lost, and... You don't know what to do. So you bring all these new acquisitions. You have all these injuries. Nicolas Castillo has been out. Giovanni Dos Santos has been out. So it doesn't seem like Piojo Herrera has gained the confidence that he requires in order to get his team going on the field. 
It, it could be said that he's lost control not only of the team but of himself. He seems to not be able to to learn from from past errors. And if you didn't hear about it, he was suspended for three games due to his comments, due to his choice of words after the game in regards to the referee. And the federation has moved to uh, give him a three-game ban. And he's going to, unfortunately for me, Arnaldo, uh, they play San Luis on October 29th. I will be attending covering that game for the stoppage time. You can check them out at uh, stoppagetime.com. And I was looking forward to seeing him going, you know, pouncing up and down the touchline. But unfortunately, he's going to be suspended. That'll be the last of the three games for his suspension. And he did come out with a with a with an apology. But I think in this day and age, when we're looking to eliminate certain chants, this you know, and this being the high-profile team that America is, this is the last thing that was needed. And the federation really had to make a statement. Do you feel three games was enough? Too much? What's your view on it? I think it was not enough. I think that after you look at the referee report, one game is for the suspension that he got for the actual game, and two games were the sanction that he received from the league. So you're talking about two-game suspension for using the homophobic word or that could be a homophobic offense to someone as far as the chant that's being yelled at every game for the national team and some home games for each of the league's uh, MX teams. So I think it, the league had a chance to make a statement as far as what they wanted to do moving forward for the national team. And I think they had a chance to make a statement as far as what's going to happen with people who are not on board with what they're trying to do, whether it's the teams, whether it's the players, whether it's the media, whoever was not on board, that was a chance for, for the league to make a statement. And I think they failed to do so. I think something like five games would have been more appropriate in my opinion. Do you tend to agree? To I mean, considering the who we're talking about here, Club America, right? The, the, them and Chivas, the highest profile Mexican clubs in the world. And it was a golden opportunity, I feel, right? Um, for them to really lay down the marker to say this isn't going to be acceptable anymore. And yeah, I, I think they dropped the ball a little bit on this one. I, I tend to agree with you on that. You know, We've, we've come to now, it's 2019, and this problem seems to not quite go away. And I really wonder if they're actually going to follow through on some of their new regulations and saying that repeated offenders are going to have their stadiums closed, play behind closed doors, much like we've seen in Europe when there's been, you know, certain racist chants, things like that. We've seen doors closed for European games. I'm not so sure that the Federation has it in them to really follow through and do that. What do you think? I agree. I think that... I, I'm looking forward to the day that actually happened. I think that if that were to happen, I would be somewhat really excited about the league that I've been seeing or watching for the last, I would say, 21 to 22 years that seeing it from where it was to, to where it is now and for them to have a chance like that to make something of a statement and also change the way soccer is perceived in Mexico would be fantastic in my opinion. There's a lot of things that are going on obviously in the country that could be better. But one of the things that we have to acknowledge as Mexicans and people that are not Mexicans living down there like yourself is that the sport, the soccer world down there is what people look forward to. And it's something that brings a lot of people together, obviously brings them apart at times, but it's something that unifies people and it unifies a whole nation. And I think that they had a chance to make a statement as far as what they're trying to do. And it doesn't coincide with what they're trying to do as far as removing that chant from the stadiums. So I think they, they failed. I think they had a great chance and they failed. If you don't live in Mexico, there is 
uh, our version of 7-Eleven, you get a lot of 7-Elevens up north, but there's a, a shop called the OXO. It's like the convenience Oxo. store. Yeah. Right? OXO, right? So if you don't live down here, it's called the OXO. It's our 7-Eleven. They're on absolutely every corner. So uh, the late game was Queretaro and Monterrey. So Monterrey goes up one nothing. So what do I do, Arnaldo? I'm like, I'm going to take a quick run to the OXO. Needed a couple of things. Come back, Monterrey's down 2-1. to one. <laughs> And that's how fast it was. Uh, did you catch it? Yeah, I did. I did. I did. I had a I had an interest just because, you know, everything that Monterrey has been going through, you know, if you're someone from Monterrey and, and obviously I have friends down there, I have family down there who are fans of Tigres and also fans of Monterrey is, you know, the thought is everybody's blaming, you know, Dulu Davino, who is the sporting director. You know, everybody's blaming the president, Ornelas. Everybody's blaming the ownership group, FEMSA or FEMSA. Yeah, FEMSA. And Everybody is just pointing the fingers at everybody that runs the club, but no one's pointing the fingers at the players. Have you seen the form that these players are in? I mean, can we consider like you a national team player anymore? I, I don't know. I, mean, I, I have no idea. I have, I have no response to that because it, it just defies logic. You know, you're not, talking about, yeah, you're not talking about a low budget team here, you know? You're not talking about some has-beens or you're not talking about some, some up-and-comers. You know, they might have a good game or a bad game. It defies logic. You know, it really does. But it's not unusual, though, because these results have been happening now. This has been for a while. You know, about a month, month and a half ago, I called Monterrey not to make the Liga. You know that, right? Yep. And nothing's changed. If anything, it's just solidified, you know, that I, I may actually be right for once about a prediction. They're now down to 14th. I know it's tight. They're only a couple of points out of the last spot. But when you're down, you know, six teams are ahead of you, a lot of results have to go your way to jump over those teams. So it's not, it's, it is two points, but it's not just that because there's so many teams between them and the last spot in the Ligia. So they definitely got their work cut out for them when they come back from the break. Yeah, I think, I think your prediction might be correct at this point. I think that the team is just doesn't, doesn't have anything to play for it as far as them themselves, the players, they're just, they look like robots out there. And I think I mentioned in the past podcast with, you know, the system that, you know, theaters plays, you know, when they play and it's just lack of results, lack of intensity. It's like they're robots. And I think it's the same thing that happens on Monterrey. You have all these talented players and they don't know how to come together and bring out all that talent. You know, you have Rogelio Funes Mori, who's considered one of the better strikers in the Mexican league has gone missing. He's at the field you know, he usually one of the things that he does is flopping and diving and on the ground and, you know, all these like antics of like he, he's hurt or whatnot. And the minute Queretaro's players were doing it, he, he's up there, you know, trying to lift these guys up. And I'm just like, dude, where have you been this entire season? <laughs> yeah. Gallardo, Gallardo, who's, you know, the starting left back and the guy that's been playing the most minutes uh, under Tata Martino's uh, resume. Nothing. Nothing up the up the flank. There, there's just nothing that, as a fan, Monterrey can be looking forward to, as far as their talent. Barovero, I mean, Barovero is on the downside of his best playing days. He's, he, I mean, if it weren't for him, the pro, the score probably would have been maybe what, five to one. It could have been, yeah. It could have been more, definitely. I mean, if you're a Rayados fan out there. It's, it's kind of hard watching your, your team right now, you know, and I feel for you guys because, you know, the money's been spent and, and you're not seeing the product on the field. Caretero pulled it out, though. They did come through. They had been dropping. They needed a win because they were dropping. But that's some, the, it's so crazy this year, Arnaldo, that that's them back up to third. 
back up to third place. You know, just such a crazy, crazy season we're seeing here in Liga MX. Very competitive, and the disparity between the best team and, you know, middle of the pack team is not very big as far as points-wise and display of, of soccer. And yeah. I think that Querétaro has stayed there all along, all season, to make sure that they are in the Liguilla and fighting for the top four spots to have home, home field advantage as far as the playoffs go. Another guy that, Alan, that I don't know if you maybe saw on social media or not, Rodolfo Pizarro. Rodolfo Pizarro was one of the most expensive signs for Monterrey a couple of seasons ago. I think his transfer fee was for about $17 million from Chivas. And, you know, the guy has amazing talent. He started as a right back, played center mid. Now he plays all over the field on the attacking side. Great talent, great skill at his feet. But he gets, in, in back of, lack of a better term, you know, distracted on social media. He was fighting with a journalist down in Monterrey back and forth. And the conversation or the, or the engagement ended where, you know, he called them a clown. He called the journalist a clown. And, you know, it was a big discussion down in Monterrey. And, you know, a lot of jokes or whatnot. And once the game comes on Sunday, he gets subbed in. He doesn't start the game. Gets subbed in. And I can't even tell you. It was maybe less than 10 minutes that he was on the pitch and he gets a straight red card. Just not focused. You've been injured this entire time. You're engaging on social media, which should not be. I mean, I'm not saying a player should not be engaged on social media. That's what social media is for. Get your name out there. You know, make your presence know. Let people know that you're there to respond, whether you're criticized, you, you know, you're, you're being complimented, whatever the case might be. But at the same time, back up your words and show what you're capable of on the field and not get a red card under 10 minutes of playing time. Yeah, but Arnaldo, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I love that stuff. I love when, when players just do stuff they shouldn't be doing on social media. So, you know, it makes my day sometimes, and I love that. I really did. As, as someone who's not a Monterey fan, I didn't mind he got red carded personally. You know what I mean? Oh, so, me either. <laughs> I had a lot of fun with that one as well. You know, as you said, that's what social media is for, is connecting. But he's supposed to be connecting with the ball, putting it in the back of the net. If you want to connect with us, you can check us out at um, A underscore Liga MX. And your Twitter is? A underscore Lozano 10. And that's, that's A right. underscore L-O-Z-A-N-O 10. Uh -huh. You can also check us out as well if you want to check out any of our reading. And if you want to check out some reading material, you can check us out on thestoppagetime.com. And it's also the same Twitter handle for them. LA Soccer Nation as well. If you're into, into LA Galaxy, LAFC, they got a lot of material on that as well. And of course, make sure to check out 12 Ounce Sports Radio every single Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern for the show. Let's get into one more game before we move on, yeah? And you know, it's our good friends. And they had a little bit of heartbreak again. They picked up a point, but Veracruz, good result against Leon, 1-1. They looked better. They were attacking. The intensity was there. I thought they were going to pull it out. They scored in the 82nd minute with off of a penalty kick. 1-0. Four minutes go by, and we have a tie. Indeed. So what's going on then with Nacho Ambriz and, and his uh, and his Leon club? And by the way, Leon, big shout out to Podcast Alliance Den, Nakati and Friends. Excellent show a couple of days ago. We were listening. Great show. Shout out to you guys. What's going on with Nacho Ambriz? Nacho Ambriz, man, I, I, I don't I don't understand. The the club went from being displaying the best soccer from last season to the beginning of the season, and then suddenly just shooting blanks. Nothing's going on as far as their offensive game with Angel Mena has been 
you know, inconsistent with some plays. A lot of, you know, he's being erroneous as far as passing-wise goes on the, on the last attacking third. And it just seems like they're just going through a slump. I think that they're just honestly going through a slump. I think they're going to pull it out as we get closer to the – or get out of it as we get closer to the Liguilla. I think Jose Juan Macias has been on a lot of, uh, I guess, attention from the media as far as the young striker that he is, the young – goal scorer that he is you know he's had a good performance with the national team at the at the youth level and recently at the senior level against Trinidad and Tobago when he scored a goal so I think that once it's said and done they will be okay I think they're going to be moving forward as far as getting to the playoffs and still being a contender because of Nacho Ambri's exciting approach to high intensity high pressure coming out of the back with possession style soccer so once again for you guys online Stan you were sounding a little down so don't don't worry about it, okay? You guys are gonna come through, but you know, it might it might take a game or two, but come the guia time, you guys are gonna be fine, I think, definitely. We got a couple 30, more sports to talk about, yeah. Last thing I just wanted to add: thirty-nine games for Veracruz without winning. Thirty-nine games, and they're not getting paid apparently as well. That's so sad. I know, I know. Uh, let's see here. Let's run down a couple more scores here for you as well. We had. Toluca was 1-1. They, they drew 1-1 against Puebla. And also our friends Chivas and Pumas, they also tied 1-1. Cholos, Tijuana, and Atlas, exciting 2-2 game. Mm -hmm. I just saw a little bit of the Chivas game. I didn't see the other ones. Did you catch any of those? I saw the Chivas game as well. Are you not excited for Alan Pulido's great season off of six penalty kicks and seven goals? You know, it rivals Carlos Vela. No, oh. no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. We'll get we're to just that. Gonna leave, we're going to leave it at that. Alan. Right. <laughs> Let's move on to our next. We'll be right back on Tobon Sports Radio and shoot your shot with Arnaldo and Alan. For this segment, we're going to be getting into MLS, specifically Decision Day. Decision Day. And what a Decision Day it was, Alan. We had three teams fighting for the last two playoff spots in the Western Conference. Dallas, San Jose, and Portland all were looking to see if they can claim the last two spots. Dallas had one job to do, was win against Sporting Kansas City, and they did so with a 6-0 score. All taken care of. They secured their spot, and easily with a comfortable win, gained that confidence to close their season out. It was, it was a great way to end the season for them. But then the important game, which I know that you mentioned you caught this game, and I, I'm glad that you did because we had Pelado Almeida or Matias Almeida, the San Jose earthquake coach, being suited for the Monterrey Rayal, or the Rayados down in Mexico, going up against Portland for the last spot in the Western Conference. And unfortunately, he fell short. He ended up, his team ended up losing 3-1 to one to the Portland Timbers. So the Portland Timbers will be going on and moving on forward to the playoffs. Yeah, well, he, he did have a big improvement over last year, but unfortunately came up short. So I think there was a six-game losing streak to end the year, and it's pretty hard to, to get in that kind of negative role you know, at the end of the year. You know, 
one result the other way and they would have made it, but they didn't do it. You know, they lost. Was the score three to one in that game? Yeah, three to one. Three to one, and he took over the same roster from the previous season and doubled almost its points. So obviously, the, the coach is knows what he's doing. He's a great motivator, and that's why Rayados wanted him and needed him in a sense to uh, turn their season around or hopefully end their season in good fashion. So where's he going to end up? Do you think he's going to stay there? Is he is he on the move? No, he actually came out. Like I said, he was being uh, he was being seeked or sought out by Monterrey. So he came out and he said, "No, thank you. I'm staying here another uh, year in the MLS." Uh, apparently, according to multiple reports, he has a clause or a release clause only to a national team or to Chivas. So anybody that's not then would have to pay a, a big amount of money in order to get him to coach their new club. So I don't think that's something that Monterrey was probably looking to do, even though they have the financial means to do so. And obviously something that you mentioned that clearly threw me off was they were asking for four, five players in return. They were. That's one of those things, one of those ridiculous out clauses. If you look at, for example, the out clause for Neymar at Barcelona was so astronomically high, they never figured anyone would actually pay the price until PSG did. You know, so it's one of those things, I think, where you ask for something astronomically just unbelievable, knowing that the other team is going to say no, right? So, of course, they're not going to trade five players for, for a coach. It would be hilarious to see, actually. But interestingly, you said that the out clause is for Chivas. Now, I'm not making fun of, of Chivas at all, but they don't have a good track record for keeping coaches. So, I mean, that job could open up at some point, you know, because it has opened up. Do you think that there is that what's that's going to happen? You know that he maybe maybe he knew the turmoil that's going on at Chivas, and he was like, "Hey, that team opened the doors to me in Mexico, opened the doors in America for a huge contract, probably getting paid the most he's ever getting paid, living in America, which that must be great." And I think that could be a possibility. I'm kind of going the possibility or the route yeah. that. Tuca Ferretti retires in 2021, and we bring him in to change the face of our club. Well, you know, that, that's not a bad shout either. My sneaking suspicion, though, is he might go back to Chivas. It's not being talked about. You know, the money would have been there for him in Monterrey. Big team as well. Still close to the U.S., you know, so he can still have, you know, if he's got his lifestyle over there as well. But, yeah, Tigres, I didn't really think about that. But, yeah, the timing would fit, wouldn't it? It definitely would fit. Mm -hmm. And... And, I mean, if, if he's staying at San Jose and, like, he's, he said he has, and I think that today um, he's going to have a press conference to, you know, confirm that he's staying. I think that the club, like I said, he, they moved forward as far as what they did last, she, last season to this season. And I think it's going to be good for him to now have more time with the club and his players and also allow the club to spend some money and bring in some players that he may want as far as building his team. Yeah. Let's move along. Let's talk about something. It was a huge day for you specifically, right? So if you didn't catch any of the Twitter action, if you're not up on Houston or the LA Galaxy game, my friend and co-host Arnaldo was at that game. Uh, you were covering it. You were in the press box. You were on the field. You were all over the place. Maybe you can tell us about game day experience up in Houston. Now, if you're a fan of the Dynamo or if you're not a fan, I think you need to be. Right. It was an amazing experience, wasn't it? It was awesome. I had been to previous Dynamo games before as a fan and, you know, haven't been at that stadium to watch Tigres play against the Dynamo in the CONCACAF Champions League or some of the friendlies that they came to play in America. But it was nothing like that day, Alan, on Decision Day. 
there's a lot going on as far as, you know, LA Galaxy was coming into town. LA Galaxy had a big, big, uh, big game as far as establishing their seating in the playoffs, whether they wanted to be on the lower end and not get home field advantage or have home field advantage. So you knew it was going to be a big game for LA, uh, LA Galaxy. And then the Dynamo finally had a reason to look forward to because the results have not been there. They, had, they started off so well at the beginning of the season, but towards the end, they just went on a lot of losing streaks. But they had DeMarcus Beasley calling it a career. It was his last game. It was his retirement. So a lot of people showed up. The stadium was not at full capacity, but it was probably the most filled I've seen that stadium since I've been in Houston or at least gone to a game since my teenage years when the Houston first came over to from San Jose. Yeah, amazing how you grow up with players as well. You mentioned Beasley. I saw him play in Puebla when he was down here in Mexico. I've seen him play in Scotland with Glasgow Rangers as well, you know. So I, I've, seen, I've seen his career go through three different and he was, he was at Man City, PSV, you know, Houston. Like, the man may not receive the credit as far as skill-wise, but he's definitely a top five American player in the history of their game. Yeah, I remember when he was breaking in with Landon Donovan in the early 2000s. You know, there was such such hope for the U.S. men's national team at that point as well. And sparkling career, and I think it was a good send-off for him as well. You know, and they won. Yeah, and, and they, they won. won, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about that a little bit, right? So, so you are a fan of the team. You cover them for the stoppage time, of course. So what does that team need to do maybe to have a better 2020? I think that the team needs to spend some money. I think that the ownership um, does not see how the, the city of Houston could benefit, and not only the city of Houston, but themselves as owners. You're in one of the largest markets as far as America goes. You have one of the largest populations as far as Hispanics go, and the stadiums are not being filled. You know, there's some of the conversations that I've had when I was coaching soccer at, at the high school level is, you know, you have a lot of Central American kids, a lot of kids from South America, that may not follow the Liga MX, don't follow the MLS, but they follow their teams and they love the sport enough to at least tie or have some roots to it, the local team. You know, you, you're talking about kids from El Salvador, you know, kids from Nicaragua, from Honduras. They don't show those games here in America of those leagues. They don't show games from Colombia up here or, you know, Peru and all these other uh, countries down there. They don't show those games in the United States, but what they do show is the MLS and the Liga MX. So what they do is they favor the Liga MX because what do they do? Their friends are fans of the, some of the Liga MX because they're of Mexican descent. So I think that the Dynamo needs to reach out to the communities and get those kids and those families out at these stadiums, make the prices a little bit more reasonable for, for get, getting these people out there. Some of the things that I saw as well is that the supporter groups, the supporter groups are doing a fantastic job. You know, I met with some of them and, the Surge, the Texan Army, El Batallon, they're doing their part. They're, they're getting out there. They're, they're chanting the entire time. They're yelling. They're, you know, doing all these things for their club. And you have them at the worst part of the, of the stadium where the blazing heat hits them. The sun is in their face. If it rains, there's no roof on the side that they're in. Why not put them on the side that has a roof so they're not as hot? They don't get rained on. So I think there's little things that they need to move forward to. And I and the most important thing is that they have to make some signings. They have to bring in somebody that the community can relate to. I'm not saying it has to be a big Ibrahimovic splash or Wayne Rooney splash or a Carlos Vela type of splash, but somebody that the community can get behind. Maybe a Mexican national team player, you know, someone that can 
at least spark up ticket sales and then go see maybe a chicharito in the future read my mind read my mind chicharito a couple of years from now maybe after sevilla fantastic signing they'd pack that stadium every single home game for sure you know if you want to read a little bit more about the game and also about DeMarcus Beasley's sending off as his retirement game, you can check out Arnaldo's article, which was on the Stoppage Time, right? It published on Stoppage Time? Yeah, that's correct. It published yesterday, so you can find it on thestoppagetime.com or you can find it on their Twitter handle at the Stoppage Time, or you can find it on my Twitter handle, A underscore Lozano 10. So show some love. Let me know your feedback. I would love to uh, expand the community here as far as the – awareness for the dynamo i don't think they get as much of attention as the other sport uh teams here in houston so we'll love right. to see that happen right and speaking of attention if you are looking for a little more coverage for league mx in english be sure to check out the stoppage time because there's a lot of writers yeah they do cover mls as well as league mx but it's probably 50 50 the coverage there so it's another source of good writing and good information and not just focusing on the, you know, the big teams as well. They focus on all teams, which is kind of special really, right? So check out the stoppagetime.com if you're looking for English language, Liga MX or MLS coverage. Now, maybe we'll move over to the East. Okay, now the East was set. It was just more or less about seedings, right? And you're of the opinion that the champ's coming out of the West regardless. So maybe we won't spend too much time. Do you want to just run through the matchups maybe? Yeah, absolutely. All right, okay, so Philadelphia Union, and we're going to have a special guest on next week who's going to be talking about them. He covers – actually, we're going to have two guests. Who are they? Kyle, who covers the Philadelphia Union, and Ivan, who covers the Portland Timbers. So we're going to have both of them on our show next week in order to give us a preview of their matchups. So like Alan was saying, uh, as far as uh, covering the MLS playoffs that start, not this weekend, but the following that's right. So, yeah, so if you are an MLS fan, actually check out next week's going to be the big preview show. It's going to be all MLS next week. So, and as Arnold said, a couple of guests there. So, Kyle's team, Philadelphia, yeah, mm-hmm. right? So, they're going to be playing the Red Bulls, right? So, the home team there. Toronto, actually, on the last game of the year, they managed to pull off home field advantage. And I'm going to be up in Toronto covering that game for stoppage time as well. And they're playing DC United. As well, we've got Atlanta who I think are my choice to come out of the East. Atlanta's playing New England, and we got sitting NYCFC sitting with the bye, waiting for the winner of Toronto, D.C. United. So that's the East picture. And now over the West picture, let's see here. Now there's a huge second potential second-round matchup. But first of all, we've got, we've got the Timbers, right, against Salt Lake. We've got Dallas against the Sounders, and we've got the Galaxy against Minnesota. And if you're a soccer fan, you better be hoping the Galaxy beat Minnesota. Definitely. If that were to happen, we got El Tráfico once again for, what, the sixth time this season, Alan? Possibly? That's right. Yeah, yeah. And a playoff game. So that much more at stake. That's, that's must-watch. That's a must-watch game. So you better be hoping. Sorry, Minnesota fans, but it's got to be Galaxy LAFC in that second-round matchup. So those are our matchups. Playoffs start next weekend as well. Now, last story I think we got to get to for LAFC – I mean, everyone heard about it. Big news down here in Mexico. Big news everywhere. Carlos Vela. Now, I joke about the PKs, but, I mean, what a season. Consistent, quality play every single game. It was honestly great to watch, Alan. I think as, you know, I mentioned it to a few friends that maybe are not as um, advocating, you know, for soccer or, you know, a fan of soccer is and explaining how proud I was for Carlos Vela 
and how happy I was that he was able to have a season like that. You know, second season for an expansion team, you know, he's the star of the team, the first signing, and he has a season like this, scoring 34 goals, breaking the record for most goals in a season, and doing it not only scoring-wise, assisting all of his teammates, you know. LAFC was at the top of, of the goal differential as far as goals in per game, you know, and they ended up having the best record for for a team in a season, which was 72 points. So he did it all. He, from start to finish, he did it all. He only missed a couple of games. It, he had a fantastic season. It was honestly breathtaking. It was. It was definitely something to see. I'm not sure we're going to see that repeated as well. For example, mm, Ibrahimovic now, he's really, really coming to the end. You know, of course, he had a wonderful season, but can he repeat that? Will his body hold up? Carlos Vela is still at a good age. You know what I mean? He's not in his late 30s. He could very easily do this yet again next year. And he's, and he's got the talent around him. He's got Diego Rossi. He's got uh, the new uh, acquisition up top. Uh, the, the other Uruguayan player, I'm missing his name right, right now. But he's got the talent. He's got the – in the midfield, he's got Wynn, Lee Wynn, the defense, the goalkeeper. Like, he just got the talent team and the coach, Bob Bradley. He was coached the national team before. So, I think that LAFC, if they don't win it this year, they're definitely going to be back next year. And they're probably going to sign more players as, you know, having seen what Carlos Vela can do and the willingness to want to play with him as far as, you know, talent playing with talent. So, I think it's going to be exciting. You know, speaking about Ibrahimovic, he was not too far from Carlos Vela before the game started. And Ibrahimovic scored that first beautiful goal against the Dynamo early on in the first eight minutes. And my thought is, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. He's going to get a hat-trick today and beat him for the record. But Carlos Vela, on the last game of the season, hat-trick. And there wasn't any just hat-trick. Were you able to see the goals? Uh, they, they were stylish goals. If you missed them, they were pure class goals. You know, uh, really displaying all his talents as well. You know what I mean? There was nothing cheap about any of the goals at all. There was not, none of that you know, right place, right time kind of thing. It was pure quality, you know, and he stepped up on when, when everyone was looking at him, when everyone, you know, when you've got a guy with the talent of Zlatan in your rear view mirror, it's easy to freeze up. It really is. You know what I mean? Because Zlatan's done it on the, on the biggest of stages. Right. But no, he really came through with some fabulous goals and what, a, in my opinion, I mean, not just because it's the record-breaking kind of numbers, but in terms of start to finish, the whole overall body of work, I haven't seen a better player put in a better shift for the entirety of a season in any league. I would honestly, you know, the comparison is not fair as far as who, and I'm not trying to get to an argument of, or a discussion of who's better, who's not, but I think the only players that have done this, and which is really interesting to me because Carlos Vela has done this before in La Liga. Do you recall when Carlos Vela was considered one of the better forwards, if not the, the top three player in La Liga with Cristiano Ronaldo and Messi? When he first got to Real Sociedad and he was tearing it up with Antoine Griezmann by his side, Carlos Vela was that star of the team. And he was, he was the runner-up for best forward behind Cristiano Ronaldo that year. And he's done it. And, I mean, like I said, I'm not trying to compare his talent and his skills to Messi or Ronaldo. It's, not, it's uncomparable. But I think that what he did this season is something that you've seen with those guys where from the beginning to the end, they were the best player in their league. Yeah. You know, and Arsenal never gave up on them. Yeah. They loaned him out a bunch of times, you know, starting I think way back in 2006. Right. 
you know, but he would go out on loan. They'd cultivate him a little more, but they always kept bringing him back, bringing him back. And Arsenal, well known for cultivating young talent as well, you know. So the fact as well that they were never really willing to give up on him either. They saw something in him, and then he showed it at Sociedad. And perhaps this move to MLS was maybe a year or two premature for what a lot of people thought, you know. But um, fantastic season. What can we say? However. He's got to beat them in the second round. He's got to beat Zlatan and Galaxy in the second round. In my opinion, if they don't beat the LA Galaxy, it kind of takes a little bit, tarnishes a little bit, you know. They really have to, to come to the end of the uh, end of the line now and finish this off with the championship. Yeah, you're right. I think that if they don't win the MLS Cup, I, don't, I wouldn't call it a failure or, you know, they didn't meet the expectations. But I think that um, you can't, it's not going to be the same if, you know, they just end up with the supporter shield and all these records and we're not able to beat, you know, their crosstown rival, the LA Galaxy with Zlatan Ibrahimovic and company, which they have a great team. I mean, Uriel Antuna, Christian yeah. Pavon, Jonathan Dos Santos. I mean, I watched that game in person against the Dynamo and for a while I thought the Dynamo were going to get a whoop. I think they were going to get a whooping. Yeah. Well, we're going to have our big show, like I mentioned earlier, for the MLS playoffs. It's going to come at you on 12 on sports radio next Thursday at 5 PM. We're going to have a couple of special guests on the show as well. So please stay tuned for that. And for now though, you are listening to 12 on sports radio. I'm your co-host Alan, and you can catch me if you want to make any comments or anything like that. If you'd like to, you know, maybe share some things you'd like to talk about as well for an upcoming show, you can get a hold of me at a underscore Liga MX and you can get a hold of my friend Arnaldo at a underscore Lozano 10. That's right. You can also check out our show on repeat on Spotify. Okay, you can listen to it. You're at the gym on the way to work or whatever. And you can also check out the stoppagetime.com as our digital platform for the articles we happen to write. And we're going to be right back after this. Sports Radio. This is your host Arnaldo with my friend Alan. And we've gone to our last part of our show, the last segment, which is the stock market. You excited? You ready, Alan? I'm excited. Yeah, I've been saving my, my pennies. I'm ready to invest, I hope. All right, so I don't know. Do you want to kick it off for me, or you want me to ask you? What? Maybe we should explain the stock market first real quick. Go ahead. Why don't you tell us about it, Alan? All right, so basically, Arnaldo and I, to end each show, we ask each other a question, and if we agree with it, we're buying it. We know we're, we're behind the idea, so, right? So we're buying that stock. If we disagree with it, we're selling it. Simple as that, okay? So, well, I'm going to ask you first because we were just talking about Carlos Vela, do you think, now he signed his four-year deal back in 2018, right? Do you think Vela will leave LAFC before his contract ends? That's a big sale. I'm not, I'm not willing to buy that. I think that with everything that has gone on, going or happened this season, I think that 
he's set on his mind. He, he's not a guy that you can easily convince as far as what he should do and the way that he should approach things. So I think he's going to stay out his contract with LAFC, and I think he's going to establish himself as one of the better players to come through this league because we've seen it with other stars, you know, back to the beginning with David Beckham on the back end of their career, Thierry Henry, you know, uh, Andrea Pirlo, David Villa, which all did great things as far as the time that they had here, but they didn't have a time where they were in their prime, like Carlos Vela is, to ride it out and become one of the better players to have ever played. So I think I'm selling that. I think he stays at LAFC. I think he loves the LA lifestyle. And I think that he's just, he's going to stay here in the MLS and make it grow and make it one of the better leagues as, as he moves forward with his career and the MLS moves forward. All right, then. Okay. I think any other city, it might be a bigger possibility, but it's LA. Can't leave LA. Can't leave LA. All right. All right, and, then. And to, to touch upon that, he's a huge basketball fan and he's been quoted to, you know, for that being his favorite sport, that he doesn't watch soccer games. He watches basketball games. So being in LA, that's the perfect spot. So, you got LeBron and you got Kawhi. Yeah. You know, yeah. All right. Okay. Next one. All right. So my question to you, Alan, is the amount of foreign players in Mexico, do they need to be reduced in order for Mexico to produce better talent and move forward towards that quinto partido or that fifth game in the World Cup? Hard sell on this one, and I'll tell you why. I'll go back to, to my home country, my, uh, the UK, England, for example. There's been the same argument there that the Premiership, because it's pays so well, all the best foreign players go there, that it's negatively affected the national team. Well, the last World Cup, England did make the semifinals. And now they haven't won the World Cup, I grant you, since 1966. Okay, and but the, the real question here is, will the youth get a chance to play in the first team? That is the question. I don't think it's necessarily the problem with the Mexican national team. I think it's more about mentality and a feeling of unity. I, I think the talent's always been there for the Mexican national team. I don't think the mentality's always been there. So I think they need perhaps a fundamental change in how they approach the game rather than giving more minutes to young Mexican players. Now, of course, that is important. Many people would say you cannot cultivate top talent unless you do have the young players playing the minutes. So perhaps there could be some modifications to allow it for them to be playing more and have a more dominant role in the Liga games. But what we will see, though, is there's such pressure, and we've seen so many coaches fired, that there's so much pressure to win when you have a clausura and an apertura, such short seasons, that that in and of itself is a problem for coaches willing to play young players anyway, regardless of their nationality. So I, I think it could help, of course, but I don't think it's the main reason that Mexico has not been able to yet take that, that next step. So I'm selling on that one as well. And there you Good go. Point. Good point. Uh, okay, so that's going to wrap it up for this show. I hope everyone liked it. I hope that we can continue to have these awesome conversations. And, well, really, though, it's thanks to the games we're watching because it's not about us. It's about these these results we're seeing because it's been an absolutely roller coaster year. And so this show is, again, we barely made it in time. We didn't cover everything we wanted to cover. We did our best. You got anything you'd like to, to say, any shout-outs before we end the show? Thank you to everybody who has so far listened to our show everybody that has given us feedback we appreciate that we look forward to more feedback and we're hoping that you ride along for this for this ride and this adventure with us so thank you stay tuned for uh our twitter handles make sure that you follow us give us feedback ask us questions topics that you would like for us to discuss we appreciate all that and are grateful for it that's right. So we want to thank everyone also at 12 on Sports Radio, all the listeners on the radio as well. Like I said earlier, check out Spotify. 
you can catch it on you know whenever you're free you can listen to it at your own convenience also the stoppagetime.com as well and of course my twitter handle is a underscore liga mx so thanks again for listening and we'll see you same time next week